it's time to stand up or shut up. With your hosts, Chris and Jen, this is the Theme Park Stand Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number 39 of the Theme Park Stand Podcast. Let's go, guys. LFG, we have another fun guest this week. McLovin from the Coaster Idiots. How's it going, dude? Gangsters, what's up, guys? <laughs> How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. I'm good, alive. <laughs> cold, I'm sure. Yeah. Definitely cold. Are you in um, the Northeast? I'm in Michigander, so oh. Chris, you should be honored that um, I willingly wanted to do a podcast with an uh, Ohioan. Yep, I, I am. You know, I am not worthy. <laughs> I mean, that's um, kind of how I feel from Pennsylvania, but here we are. <laughs> everybody likes to make fun of our state, and it's I'm not. I don't defend it, so it's not your state. It's the Ohio Thuzies are special. I enjoy them, but they're special. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't blame them for having two elite parks, right? Basically, within three exactly. Hours I didn't. I didn't say it's not warranted. <laughs> they can have that. They have some pretty sick parks with some very good attractions. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd rather be a Pennsylvania Thuzy personally because at least there's a huge variety of a lot of interesting parks instead of just two good ones. You have like six or seven like me, mid to to good to great parks. So I'd rather Yeah. Have yeah, definitely. And you're still not a bad drive from Ohio, too. Yeah. No, not at all. Um, I would say that, I mean, Ohio, I was like, when I was younger, it was like all about Cedar Point, really. It was like, there's nothing that's going to beat it. And then, like, since I've been in this community and traveled to other parks, I'm like, oh, now I see what people are talking about. <laughs> that's part of the, like, that's what I love about, Ohio, like, Ohio, too, is like, you guys, I feel like it does take longer for Ohio enthusiasts to, like, leave because... You guys do have like some of the best, like they're two very, very, very good parks. Which is interesting because I've talked to people about this. I'm like Cincinnati is actually one of the best hubs in terms of like having a lot of different parks around you. Like obviously Kings Island, Cedar Point, but also Kentucky Kingdom, Holiday World, Indiana Beach, Dollywood, and even like um, Michigan's Adventure, Suicide's Great America aren't too far away either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking about an Ohio park, we, uh, I think it was yesterday top throw two was testing. How exciting is that? It's the first time it's ever happened for a coaster Cedar point in December to start yeah. testing. You're like yeah. usually it, the water wouldn't even be good enough for it to start to like March. But yeah. they're, they're so desperately trying to get this thing ready by opening day, which I commend them for it. Honestly, I, I completely understand they're being scared about Zamperla, especially with how Wild Mouse had a lot of issues in the first couple months of this year. So they're like, hey, we got to get this 100% right and make sure all the hype to get attendance ramped back up at that park is warranted by actually having it run on opening day and hopefully, knock on wood, having one of the first successful opening days of a Cedar Point coaster since Valraven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I you know, I I thought the same exact thing. I was like, they are trying everything in their willpower to make sure that they don't run into another wild mouse incident. Um and it was just kind of exciting to see, I won't lie. Like I was skeptical at first, as most people know about 
Zamperl are doing this, but you know, hopefully, they, and it looks promising as of right now. I mean, full transparency, like I know had look wrong. I think Intamin has some of the best products in the market right now. I would have preferred having Intamin do it, but knowing what we have started to learn about, like you know major guys from Intamin moving over to Zamperla. Basically, Zamperla has almost copied their work. It seems everyone wants to do these days. You know, there's a lot of expertise for a lot of quality engineering at Zamperla now. It's just been completely unproven. So it's one of those things where it's like, at least for me, I always believed that Zamperla could create a quality product. It's just a matter of, will it actually work? Will it actually do what's promised? You know, and none of us know. This is literally the first major Zamperla project outside of like the, I guess the flat ride department, because I know the coaster department is completely branched off and done their own thing. But we got two brand new Zamperlas on the horizon next year, one of which is going to be the second tallest coaster in the world. So <laughs> it's that's just wild to me just to think about Zamperla taking this on. <laughs> I know, literally Wild Mouse last year and then like Taco Dragster. Like it's it is kind of like a wild jump, which is part of the reason that I'm skeptical. But I do also see McLovin's part. I just, there is part of me that is skeptical because this is like, they've never done anything on the scale. That's the reason that I'm skeptical. So I was like, you guys legitimately, like, I swear they have someone in the office that was just like, go big or go home. Like there's no in between. Which I can also see from Sierra Point's perspective, you know, after the unfortunate accident happened to Dragster, it was one of like, well, you can't really get rid of Draxer because it's such a popular ride, but you can't keep in its current iteration. So you had to go to like, who could actually, you know, permanently fix this thing. And they obviously were going to go with Intamin because of that bad relationship. And because they were just completely skeptical of working with them because of everything that had happened with trying to get it back at decent uptime. So really Zampero was their only other option. There were no, I guarantee there was no other companies that actually put in like a solid bid that they would have gone for. So, yeah, yeah, I can't think of one either. I couldn't imagine anyone else doing it really, other than if it wasn't Intamin, like who else could possibly do it? So, obviously, there had to be some company that was like, you know what, screw it, we'll do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, you know, and I was gonna ask a question and I feel like I forgot what it is, and I feel like I do this every episode. <laughs> Oh, wait, we're at the beginning um, of the episode. You could think about your question for a second. Um, we're going to give McLovin some time to think about it. Um, but at the end of the episode, McLovin, we always ask for a coaster hot take. I don't know if that was shared. It was not, but I am. Oh, I have plenty of coaster hot takes. So. Perfect. I mean, Seth, technically, it doesn't have to be coasters. I think one. I think Alex had us talking about socks. So yeah. <laughs> um, hot take at the end of the episode. Sorry, back to top thrill two. Top um, now I <laughs> uh, now I really don't remember what I was going to ask, but oh, um, sorry, guys, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, what was I going to ask? I don't remember. <laughs> I know it was top throw two related. Um, about the stupid Swiss cheese wheels. Oh, well, I was going to say that's probably the most thing that I'm more the most kind of skeptical uh, not worried about but skeptical about is just to make sure the trains ride good on that track just because you know of their other coasters don't have the best trains from what i hear so hopefully these are a little bit more comfortable and not as 
shaky on the tracks, which I assume they will be. It's hard to say because um, like there are again, this is a very first new model from Zamperla. Right. I mean, really, when I'm looking at my coaster list right now, like I mean, the best Zamperlas are like the mo the moto coasters. Like I think my favorite Zamperla is the moto coaster at Darien Lake, and it's a really awkward train because of the stupid back restraint. So it rides okay, don't get me wrong, but it's just. It, they're just an awkward coaster company that is suddenly turning around. It's like, hey, we're actually making a train that looks pretty decent, aside from yeah. the stupid look again, the stupid looking Swiss cheese wheels. But I, I wasn't in IAPA, but I saw lots of photos and videos. And what I've understood is it's pretty comparable to the new gen Intamin trains, which personally, those are my favorite trains in the entire market, especially after my trip to Europe and getting a couple of the new gen Intamin trains. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm excited. Um, the video that I don't, which I don't know how these people knew that this was going to be testing. They were just there, ready to take video of it. Um, and that's they, they were testing a few times, and somebody warned them about it. But um, it looks pretty fun. I mean, it looks good from the, at least the they're trying to get the speeds right, obviously, because it didn't make it over the top hat on the uh, the the third launch, but. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully it goes back up that spike a little higher than most people think it will. I hope so too, because, you know, when you build when you market a 420 foot tall spike, unlike, you know, Superman escape from Krypton, that was always like, oh, it only goes up like 300, 310 feet. We're like, oh, okay, we finally have LSMs that could push this thing up powerful enough to get up that 420 foot spike. And then they were like, in the animation, there was like, yeah, hey, it'll go up like 340, 350 at best. And it's like, well, Unless you're in the back row, it's a little disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my like. Uh, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of the whole top throw two thing. Or, like I'm really not. Like, because I just like I don't one I don't find the hype in Stratas, but then to like really push your whole entire like this whole project being that it's gonna have a 420 foot spike that you're going to miss like a hundred feet of it is like to me wild but i don't know i wanted to prove me wrong which is interesting because um and i totally get your um issue with stratus is because they're very much one trick ponies but this is actually i've always been really hyped for this project personally because it's taking the strata concept and trying to fix it because you know i'm from detroit i'm living two hours in cedar point i hear people talking about dragster all the time just in general conversation. And they always say, oh, the dragster's really good, but it's too short. It's over too quickly. Why would I wait an hour and a half to two hours just to, for a 10-second ride? That's like, which is a valid point. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love the original dragster, but it was a short ride. So you have to. now they're trying to fix it by basically smashing dragster and Superman Escape from Krypton into one coaster yeah. and like tripling its length and just that raw sensation of speed. If it works right, I think that this has the potential to be the best strata in the world. But again, that's a very tall order for Zampera to come out something that's so flawless. But right now, I'm ca still cautiously optimistic, especially after seeing the test runs in December. Yeah, I'm definitely keeping like I, I definitely I'm going to go into it and have an open mind, but I just 
that's my main complaint about stratas. Like, I think stratas might be one of the dumbest things ever. Like, it's great that they're 400 feet tall, but like, it's like a 10 second ride experience. Like, and top throw drags or top throw drags are king to ka. I've always like, I've almost always just walked on to, so I don't have a problem with that. But I waited. I've never ridden Top Throw Dragster because I waited over an hour on my first trip to Cedar Point, and it broke down, and that was like a week before the accident. Yeah, it, it was very. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It was down like all day too. Like I, I waited in it multiple times. It was like, I don't know. So a long wait for a two second Strata is like to me. Not worth it. I agree. And um, which is funny because I've had similar experiences at Great Adventure. Whenever I would go, Kyle would always either be a walk on or it'd be like a 10 minute wait at worst when it was actually operating. And, you know, with all my time at Cedar Point, when Dragster was operating, it always had like an hour, an hour and a half line, regardless if it was having a good day or a bad day. I happen to ride it a lot because I have all season fast lane for Cedar Fair. So I would usually be able to get on in like, you know, five, 10 minutes. But that was all I would really wait for. I almost never waited in Dragster standby wait if I didn't have fast lane because it's like, why am I waiting in such a long line for it to like spin the wheel? Is it going to roll back? Is the sensor going to break? Is it going to be down for 10 minutes, two hours? Is it ever going to open? <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just the time investment to what you actually get out of it i felt was the the, or the strata's biggest issue but you could also argue it's just a time for the industry where it's like just keep going bigger taller faster and then eventually you hit the recession everything flamed out and everyone's like yeah we don't care about stratas anymore the only reason I... senior points keeping up with dragster is because people would riot if you demolished a strata which is wild to think about yeah i i do feel like I feel I feel like the Stratas at least have a little bit to do with the end of the coaster wars because I feel like the Stratas are the first one that they were like this is a new type of coaster, and everyone got off it and was like wow that's so short I just waited two hours for that or I just waited an hour for that where everything else I feel like was very hype and very received or like know. opening opening season for dragster where i waited four hours for it so that's fun too <laughs> yeah like and i feel like the stratas are the first ones where people got off it and were truly just kind of like that was cool but it was so quick like i don't know yeah i, mean, I, I won't think... lie it was probably my maybe number three or probably number four overall in the park when it was around so yeah um I think Park started to realize that the hypers and the gigas were more what people actually like. They like the big, tall, fast ride that also has a good length and keeps you consistently entertained. And I think that's exactly what everyone is trying to build these days. Or if they can't afford a hyper or giga, they're at least trying to create like a decently long ride experience. Unless they run out of money, in which case yeah. it's like Felix Six Flies Great America, just like oh SNS uh, Lodge Coaster. Uh, we don't have any space and we don't have a lot of money. Just have it like a twenty second ride. It's fine. <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. Uh, another uh, piece of information that came out today. Well, Holiday World shared that Good Gravy is now complete with their track work, so maybe we'll see that testing sometime in the near future as well. And King's Island hasn't even broke ground. <laughs> yeah, I uh, they've cleared that whole area, but they haven't dug like anything for the footers or anything yet. So, <laughs> yeah, I I honestly don't. 
uh, which is weird to say because I've always stood by Kings Island. I think that is objectively the best Cedar Fair park, but it's scaring me that I was already thinking this thing probably made like Snoopy soapbox racers will not be ready by opening day. But anyway, back to good gravy. Um, yeah, I was yeah, a funny thing is, is when they, they first came out with the leaks of oh, they're getting the coma family boomerang. I was like, there's no way that's real. Like that has to be fake. And like, not to say it was the bad fit for the park. I was just like the coma family boomerang. That's so outside of holiday world's usual um, projects. But the more it's come together, the more it's like, yeah, you know, this definitely fits in with the land, fits in with the theming. It definitely, they def desperately need more family attractions at the dry park because yeah. everyone and their mother goes to the water park. But yeah, I think it'll be good. And I've actually ridden one of the new Gen 1s, uh, Reich, at Fantasialand. And aside from the restraints that sucked, which I guess have been fixed on good gravy, the ride's actually really fun. So... I'm actually really excited for this. I think it's, again, perfect addition and cannot wait to get out there and ride it probably sometime next summer. Are you going to Hollywood Nights? I will not. I will not be able to go the next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited. The I like the whole fly through the little cranberry sauce can and all that kind of stuff. So it's they needed they really did need that kind of middle because you have Howler and then you go up to Raven or something like that and there's nothing in between. Yeah, and Raven is not a family coaster no. by any means. <laughs> I guarantee if I was like five, six years old and I rode Raven, I would come off either sick, <laughs> crying, freaked out or any combination of the three. Yeah, that's what everybody keeps. Anytime they're like, oh, you know, like they only have like one good coaster. I'm like, man, you guys sleep on Raven. No, how do us four great coasters? I don't know whatever yeah. it says like, oh, it's Voyager bus with that park. It's like, absolutely not. And they have the second best water park in the country. Like that park is even more elite than I think most people give it credit for. Yeah, I would. I would. I would agree to that. There's so, so much to do in that water park. Mm -hmm. We've talked about that many times on this on this episode <laughs> or on, on, on this podcast. Um. Yeah, we so. We talked about um, the water park being superior. I I didn't really know that. I'm very intrigued by that, though. And I'm a guy that actually frequents water parks. Like, I've been to over 50 water parks across the country from, like, many different chains. And um, aside from Volcano Bay, which I recently went to this past weekend, Swiss Safari was for the longest time my favorite, even over stuff like Schlitterbahn New Braunfels, because it's, like, the slide collection is already spectacular. It has some decent theming um and three water coasters two of which have single rider lines like oh my god that's like one of the highest throughput water parks you could possibly do and it's just like every amenity that you possibly want and how could you say no to free pop yeah um did you ever make it down to the uh schlitterbahn in on south padre island at galveston yeah yeah, I did. I went to both the Cedar Fair Schlitterbahns. Uh, it's twenty twenty one, I believe. Uh, didn't they close? Did they close that park down? Oh, that might have been a different one. Because I, I think there were like four. There was New Braunfels, Galveston, South Padre Island, and then the one in Kansas City. Kansas City, I know for a fact, is closed. Yeah. I think Padre might have closed down too, or it just like it never went with the deal in twenty nineteen when Cedar Fair bought the main two. But I never went to Padre Island. I always have wanted to go there because I guess like there's this thing with all their slides, you sit in your tube and you go up a little 
conveyor or something and you're up high where there's like a lazy river that you can float in and that's how you get in line for all of their slides and you wait in line in your tube in the water i didn't know about that i know that um so new Braunfels has what they call the falls which is basically like a super lazy river where it's basically like the first half of it is like through like art like artificial rock work and so it's like almost like a rapids like you're descending down like a waterfall that actually has some decent drops and then it goes all the way down to like an actual lazy river you take this giant conveyor belt back up to ground level because it's technically like on the side of a ravine it's wow. absolutely spectacular but now they don't have anything where it's like you wait in line on a tube but that sounds amazing yeah, i know right <laughs> yeah that's insane that sounds so fun all right so mclevin tell us how you became a coaster idiot by riding too many coasters that's how <laughs> <laughs> no so um i first met uh uncle nate in 2019 it was like completely random too it was um at cedar point after hollywood nights we both were going back to cedar point i was working at cedar point at the time so i was just going back to work but we hung out for the day and um Little did I know that he actually started uh, going to Ryan's channel. Now, I had been following Ryan since 2018. I, I still pride myself, and I tell him this sometimes. It's like, I was there when you were, like, at 600 subscribers, and now you're at, like, 130,000 or whatever he is now. So that's I was, maybe it was destiny that I was chosen. But, yeah, I had um, done a Ronald Road Joseph Nate uh, before and during the pandemic. And, you know, just he knew ryan and then he basically introduced me ryan in 2021 we ended up going on a huge like 10 day midwest trip which i think you can still find all the videos of those coaster idiot vlogs that was how i joined the coaster idiots proper and i obviously met all the other idiots and then i've been on and off whenever i can joining in in the videos do you have a, a favorite trip that you or a vlog that you have with them there are a few really good ones. Uh, the Kings Island one on that 2021 road trip was really good. Uh, that's just this. That's just solid all around, especially the cold open of the Beavis and Butthead jokes. It's honestly one of my favorite things he's done. <laughs> um, also really was impartial. I actually rewatched it t today just because it popped up my feed was the, um, the one where we went to Kings Dominion on Tombili's opening day. And it was like 34 degrees, snowy and windy. And it's like six they ran two cycles of people then it shut down for weather and we were like well we're going to flight of fear okay now we're leaving but like that was probably one of the and keep in mind i'm from detroit i flew down to virginia to end up being there it's like oh it's 34 degrees and lucky he was able to get some billy and pantheon the next day but man that was uh absolutely brutal was absolutely hilarious trip i remember that video <laughs> that was a good one um, well, that's exciting. Um, do you have any plans to meet up and do another vlog at all anytime soon? Um, depends, since Ryan is now father. So right. his, um, his availability is pretty limited right now. But um, I'll just say that my bachelor party's coming up in August. So it might be something, something that's going to come out with that. You'll just have to wait and see what that is. Ooh, Ooh. nice. Exciting bachelor trip. <laughs> so um, well, 
let's jump into some of these questions that we have here. Um, Jen, yeah. do you want to start us off? I can definitely start us off. Let's see. First, we have negative power. Um, they asked, why does the mean streak break sound effect on El Toro Ryan's videos leave me in stitches every single time? So, which is honestly fair. It's one of the best uh, recurring jokes he does. But um, there was a um, recurring joke. I don't know if you guys like go really far back to El Toro Ryan, like 2017, 2018 era. But um, it was like a giant meme because they were like, one of the meme coasters for them was always mean streak. And then he started, you know, Ryan started doing editing his vlogs that he wanted to do like stupid break sounds and like reminiscing about, uh, mean streak was the greatest ride ever. Why do we have steel vengeance? And then the break sounds started coming and it pretty much has never stopped. And mm -hmm. I'm so glad he's kept that joke to this day. Even people that have no idea. It's like, Oh, why does our mean streak? And they don't even realize it is mean streaks break sounds, but and, th and then it's also funny because, you know, those DIN air brakes are still on a lot of their remaining coasters. You'll hear those, especially like Wolverine, Wildcat, and Timberwolf. So I always, you know, will ride those rides and go to the brake run. It's like, ah, mean streak. It's like you never left. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, Amazing. I had just found that out today. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. My favorite things are for and those in those videos are, are those and then the... Uh, the rough sections of a coaster with the metal music. <laughs> oh, the Lamb of God. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think there are so many coasters that like I've ridden that are like, oh my God, this is so unbearably rough. And I just like, I start getting that in my head. I'm just like, it's like, it could have fit perfectly if only he was vlogging. Oh my gosh. If you had to pick one of the coasters here in the States that is the roughest you've been on, do you have a one off the top of your head? Nighthawk. That is Nighthawk. the worst coaster I've ever ridden. And I have ridden, as of net recording, 843. And that is the worst one. Oh, my gosh. That one is pretty terrible. I do, however. I got to ride that one with Mark Martinez. And every time I think about how terrible it is, I just think of him going, it's so good. We have to ride it again. We have to ride it all night. He was trying to convince ever, like he was trying to convince me to ride it all night. Like I get why people <laughs> like the Vacoma flying Dutchman's like they are very forceful rides. I, I do not deny that, but I have always had a vehement hatred of them. Even the ones that were like quote unquote decent, like Batwing at Six Flags America or uh, Firehawk at Kings Island. I was just like, that riding position is just so unbearably uncomfortable to me. Excuse me. Because it's like, okay, now you're going to be laying on your back, going up a lift hill, pointing at the sun, and then you're going to be like, you're going to kind of fold over yourself awkwardly, and then you just awkwardly flip around, and he's just really bulky yeah. and just shaky. And especially Nighthawk, because it was the relocation from Stealth, it's just... It's so unbearably rough. I think that was the only coaster that was about like a third of the way in. And I'm like, okay, I literally want to get off right now. Like I could find the joy ironically or unironically in a lot of bad coasters. Cause it's like, oh, ha ha. This is so rough. It's funny. But Nighthawk was like, no, I legitimately want to get off. This is literally torture. Yeah. That's how I felt about it too. I was like, this is a solid one and done for me. Never again. Yep. Yeah. I wrote it in 2021. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I wrote it for the first time in 2016. And we sat on the break run for a good 15 minutes just laying there. And it was terrible in the sun. 
Same here. They um, kept us at the break for a long time. I think it was like wow. good 10, 10 plus minutes. Just, and I'm just like, I'm just laying there. I'm like, why? Why am I stuck in this stupid restraint in a really awkward position, staring at the sun? It's like, Bacova. At first, I was like, Bacoma, I hope you never build another flying coaster again. And then they built Fly. And then I'm like, oh, this is actually the best flying coaster. How does that happen? I don't know, but I'll take it. It's, like, wild to me to think about, like, I don't know. I know watching a manufacturer, like, learn and just become better is, like, something we see a lot, but I feel like there's no middle ground for Vagoma. Like, Vagoma is just, like, bad and then good. Like, I don't think there's any, like, middle coasters for them. At, At least, least I, the I haven't, yeah, I haven't ridden any of the new coasters, so I can't technically say that, but I just know people love the new coasters, and I feel like there's no middle ground. I feel like that there actually are a lot more, like, middle ground Vacomas, even here in the States, like, uh, for example, Rock and Roller Coaster. I think that's actually a very good middle ground Vacoma. It is not like the elite rides that you're seeing in Europe everywhere, but it's not like the ungodly POS that's like a bad SLC. You know, it's just like it's a relatively smooth yeah. ride. It has a lot of forces. And at least in case Rock and Roller Coaster, it has some good theming. But and like, I honestly think that most of their family coasters are actually pretty decent. But yeah, like I actually love the I have a partial those Vacoma Junior coasters like Woodstock Express at Cedar Point. Those are actually really solid family coasters in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, it's just you go from just your major thrill coasters from being so bad to really really good in the span of like three years basically. And the states have had nowhere near as much as exposure to that as we should have. Yeah, here in the States, yeah. it's just like they kind of dropped off and nobody, you know, like they were just gone, kind of like almost what Intamin did for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then they both have come back with a vengeance. And here we go with, you know, a few getting added in the States here now for Vacoma. And hopefully we get one of the, the really good ones. And hopefully the one, the tilt coaster actually opens. So I have a lot of mixed feelings on Coda Land because at the one hand, don't go wrong, I love to see this park operate. And I think it's cool to have a park next to a Formula One track. But I have I, when they first announced everything like about uh, Palindrome and about like, oh, they're going to because at first, like 2020, 2021, they did actually open three coasters. It was just only for like a Christmas preview event. And they said, oh, we're going to build Palindrome. And then like three months later, I started smelling the BS because it's like, you haven't done anything. You've never done any land clearing. You never seem to have anything on site. When you did get on site, you weren't doing anything with it. You scrubbed your website. And it's just like, now this whole thing is just turning into uh, just a heaping pile of, I'm going to throw a bunch of money into this. Hope a lot of investors join me in throwing a lot of money at this and not see anything as a result. I mean, if Energylandia of all parks is canceling their tow coaster, I don't know how Coda Line's going to get its circuit breaker open. I want it to, but I have like one of the most pessimistic people in terms of seeing Coda Land open on time, let alone at all. Here's a thought. What if I wonder if Coda Land or uh Energy Landia could just buy the one from Coda Land? They could. There's nothing stopping them. <laughs> it's definitely be cheaper than having to manufacture it. It's just like, hey, I'll pay uh, like, I don't know, like 
however much the cost of shipping the steel is and whatever paying off Kodal like two two three million dollars or something it just yeah. here's my steel and i'm gonna build i mean contract all my construction workers but apparently that park has actually had a lot of financial issues because the government money is drying up because yeah. like the um i forget what the name of it. it's like they're Chaco Chip Creek or whatever the heck that land is called yep. has like been under construction for basically four years. So I'd say yeah. if you're gonna if you want to go to Energy Landia, myself included, you should probably get out there soon because I have no idea what the fate that sparks ending up being. Oh, that could be bad, especially like could you imagine them like just tearing down Zadra or Hyperion? <laughs> well, Zadra already got torn down once before. Why not do it again? Um, That's true. <laughs> send a hyperion to the states please oh that would be oh, great yes please 100 percent. oh my gosh that is like one of that is one of my bucket list europe coasters and i like i'm terrified of flying i hate flying so i don't know when i'm ever gonna go to europe please send it to the states then i don't <laughs> have to go anywhere i can just drive there I think it's one of those things where it's like you have to kind of build up because, you know, flying to Europe actually isn't the worst thing ever. Like, you know, probably out of JFK, it'd be like a seven, eight hour flight. I flew into Paris and that was like a seven and a half, eight hour flight. But you kind of have to like get that, like those few domestic flights first, like to the Florida and then to California, kind of build yourself up to that. Yeah. And then I am still dreading because I'm going to Japan for my honeymoon. And while I'm super excited to go, that is going to be like a 16 hour flight. Is will be a, a nightmare, as a nightmare jet lag too. Yeah. yeah. I, um. Are you going to Tokyo Disney Sea? Sorry. I am. Yes. I think everyone should go what, to Tokyo Disney Sea. I've never been, but I uh, it's I'm obsessed with Tokyo Disney Sea. Yeah, there are four parks I know for a fact we're doing is uh, the Tokyo Disney Resort, Universal Studios Japan, Nagashima Spa Land, and Fuji Q, and then everything else will be like. And we'll probably end up hitting like Thunder Dolphin and um, Gekyon Live in downtown Tokyo. And then there are also a couple other parks. Like I'd really like to go to Tobu Zoo. To, um, and then also um, Parque España, which has uh, Irenes, the really, really good, uh, um, really good talent. We'll say that. Yeah, do you mean Fluffy Dog Talon? Don't you worry. That one has a talent <laughs> name. <laughs> I have oh. a theory what Fluffy Dog Talon is. I'm probably wrong, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's Pyrenees. Oh, I thought it was Great Bear. I thought you were like dog bear no. trying to throw us off. Okay, well, no Pyrenees, because Great Pyrenees are um guardian livestock, like a big fluffy like lab looking dog. I guess I never even thought of putting two and two together. What that Pyrenees actually meant? I was like. <laughs> Great invert in Japan. I want to go. <laughs> I don't even know if Pyrenees means something, but someone was like, what's Pyrenees' talent name? And I instantly thought of the dog, and I was like, oh, fluffy dog talent. There you go. Perfect. That one, whoever is on Twitter and voted slash didn't vote, that one is, I think, like, number 20. This... I'm excited to get your thoughts once you get back on Haikuge because that's like one of my bucket list coasters. Same here. And I was actually a little underwhelmed by Untamed, so I'm really hoping that there's like a really good overseas RMC. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into the next question here. This one coming from Surveillance. And this one's pretty much a McLovin question because are there any U.S. parks or coasters 
that you haven't experienced? That's really tough because, and I, so, pride, pride is a strong word, but um, I've been to every single park in the U.S. that has more than three coasters. And the ones that have three coasters or less, I've been to a good chunk of them. So pretty much you're scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point. Uh, I guess like the ones that I can think of the top of my head are like uh, like Jolly Roger at Ocean City because it has uh, the original Cedar Point Wildcat that's still operating there from 1970. Uh, like Cliffs for New Mexico Rattler, the CCI, uh, Family Kingdom at Myrtle Beach for Swamp Fox, the old PTC. And ever really just, you know, keep, keep digging and you'll find something good, I swear. But have you I'd been to Castles and Coasters? I have not. I have not been to Phoenix, but as soon as Mattel opens, I do plan on going down there. Yeah. Get ready I guess for the, the only jank. two major coasters I haven't done in the U.S. that's like I like actually big coasters are Wildcats Revenge and Big Apple, both of which I attempted to ride, but we're both close. So um, so what happened with Wildcats Revenge? You were there and it was closed? I was there the weekend of what it had like a week and a half of uh, what else would RMC structure? issues that was literally the worst timing but i couldn't uh change my plans just because of like how my weekends were shaping up so i was like well i gotta deal with wildcat being closed i, I was trying to make it out to candy lane but it just never panned out for one reason or another but i swear next year i will be going to hershey multiple times if it takes to get on wildcat because uh, apparently it broke down again just about a week ago and Uncle Nate actually was the one that broke it because apparently it like it's like if you I don't know if you've seen like the the POV, but it's like when it hits the pre-lift section and then it hits the chain lift, the angle is too steep. So it's almost like the train train dog kind of slams into the anti-rollbacks and it made like some gunshot noise and then they immediately had to shut it down. So I have no idea what that's gonna happen, but more RMC drama, I guess. We love RMC, though. I love RMC's coaster designs, not necessarily their manufacturing. And I, I haven't actually been inside the plant, but I did uh, go see the plant uh, when I was going to Silverwood. And I got to say, like, it's cool, but it's like, yeah, you can tell these guys are like in the middle of nowhere. Like Coeur d'Alene is a beautiful location, but there is like nothing around you. And it's like, it's crazy that they're able to even do so many projects given their proximity of, like, I don't know where they get all their materials from. And I, I know it's probably hard to, because they're a very vertically integrated company. They do everything themselves. So it's, it's yeah. a miracle they're able to even, you know, build as many rides as they are. But I think their structural engineering could use some uh, extra work in the future. You know, I've always thought, you know, riding Wildcat numerous times that when it gets hits the lift hill, it sits there for almost a, like a second. And then that chain grabs it. And it just is like a very, very high impact moment, which I was like, that doesn't sound like it's going to last very long. It's not good on the train or the chain. You know, chains snap. We saw that gatekeeper the other year. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, again, I'm really hopeful that the Hershey is able to like work something out with RMC because I want that thing open a lot more reliably. It's, it seems it's been pretty okay and the crew's been excellent, but I, I have not personally experienced it. So, see how next year goes. 
Yeah, I do feel like it has gotten like fair. I mean, since opening, because I know the first like there was that issue and there were a couple other issues where it was down like for a day or so at a time. But I do feel like I see more often than not that it's like reliably up already. So I feel like that's a good sign. Hopefully. I also because you know, being down for like a day or two, you know, every new ride goes through that. Doesn't matter what manufacturer, every ride has its growing pains and maintenance needs to figure out exactly how the coaster all it's like it's bits bits and pieces, but when you're down for like over a week because of structural issues or even like other RMCs that have been down for extended periods of time, like, you know, Steve had its bump and it was down on one train forever. Or like Gwazi had been down for like a week because of like uh, clearance issues. It's just like you start to sense a pattern and it's a very troubling pattern at that. Yeah. When you're uh, when you head back to um, Wildcast Revenge next year, there's also a new dive coaster in that area you might be able to get as well. That is the plan. Got to always throw Full in disclosure. Um, I actually, you know, not many people say this, but um, I went to Wildwater Kingdom at Dorney for the first time this year. And I realized because one of my biggest things about Talon was it was always hard to photograph. It was always hard to kind of look mm -hmm. at the ride, except like directly through the main entrance. When you go to Wildwater Kingdom, you see the entire layout start to finish. I'm like, man, this is actually a really pretty ride and really cool to look at. Um, yeah, it's beautiful from the other side. Like, I've never been to Water Wild Water Kingdom, but I have walked through it specifically to go look at Talon. Um, but it is, it's beautiful to photograph from the other side. Just no one thinks to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's another coaster at Dorney Park that's really beautiful as well. It starts with that's a piece. Well, go away. <laughs> <laughs> No, wait, this is the one park that I don't want to talk about Intamin. Please go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems it'll be a while before they get another Intamin, so you can keep, keep on with the B&Ms, Dorney. Continue on. Yeah, but Ryan from Dorney Park, we would like Talon 3 to be Intamin. And also... We do need a good multi-launch. That'd be perfect for that park. Hershey doesn't have one. I'd love to see Intamin uh, to get crack at their inverts on like a modern design. Cause the last one we have were like suspended catapult coasters, like Volcano and Tornado. But aside from the Possessed, we never, they really never dabbled the intimate, the inverted ga uh, game. But Gerslauer is now, I haven't written Storm, but I've heard it's really, really good. So maybe Intamin will get another crack at it. You know, yeah. and I just watched a, uh, an airtime thrills video he, he put out like today or yesterday about his like coasters that surprised him from this year. And there was a intimate invert family coaster overseas that he said was really good. Um, I can't remember which park it was at, but yeah, or what it was called. So <laughs> I'm excited. I'm not excited, but I would be excited if one, something like that came, but uh, I'm excited for any intimate that opens in the States. So there's that. Oh, yeah, especially as someone that, you know, went to Europe and got to see, like, because the cream of the crop Intamins, we only really have, like, a modern Intamins, we only really have Velocicoaster as a good judgment, but over in Europe, I was able to ride both Tutatis and Conda, both of which are in my top 10 and are better than Velocicoaster, and I was just like, man, the, this is, like, the peak of what modern coaster design can do 
And it is criminal that more parks are not like taking the chance within the states. I understand why. There's a lot of bad blood because of Intamin's past blunders in the late 2000s. But man, like it, any park, like get an Intamin mega coaster. See that at like Dorney or like or, like Six Flags Fiesta Texas or just any park. Oh my god, that would like put that put those parks in that elite category. Yeah, I'm sure there's definitely a few parks I could think of that could definitely use something like that, um, like a replacement for Magnum or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Replacing Magnum. Replace oh, Magnum. We're, not, we're not talking about that already. It's not even 40 years old yet. <laughs> we're thinking about it just because it should have been replaced. Pre-planning. That's all. Pre-planning. Hopefully next year. I love my B&M hypers, but I don't want to get rid of Magnum. Now, I will say this. I am not. I am one of the few people that's actually like in the middle of Magnum because everyone you hear says, oh, Magnum is the greatest coaster ever or like Magnum is so rough. I never want to ride it again. I'm like, this is like barely outside my top 100. I will ride it a lot, but it's I would not call it anywhere near the best coaster at Cedar Point. I'm really in the same boat as you. It doesn't bother me that bad. I just... I think it's funny. I, I kind of can lean either way. So I think I just kind of play with along with it. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to Magnum, I ride it so much with Laurel that I don't actually, oh my gosh, here's Ahsoka guys. This is why I've been muted all the whole time. I have been away for five nights and this is the longest I have left Ahsoka and Ahsoka will not stop barking at me. Whenever I pay attention to anything that is not her, she has missed me so much. She will not stop screaming. She's like, you uh, left me. <laughs> Sounds like my cat Max because we just got back from a three day uh, weekend in Orlando and he's been very attention wanting ever since we got home. So, yeah, literally, Asuka, uh, she spent the last night. Look, she spent the last night just like sitting in our hallway, staring at the door, waiting for me. Like, she does not deal with separation from me very well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I've ridden Magnum way too much with Laurel to like actually hate it. I really do enjoy it. And Laurel makes it very enjoyable because she likes it so much and she's kind of crazy um, riding it. But I more just yell about wanting it to, I don't know. I, I feel like everyone I talk to is like, Magnum's the best. It's, it's the best ever. And I'm like, I'm just going to balance you out by calling this bullshit. It's just a weird ride because it's like... I will say the, the finale is really, really good. Triangle bear time is incredible if the restraints are a bit rough. But I think the first the first and middle thirds are kind of like whatever. Like that the first big camelback after the first drop is like, okay, this is just a scenic monorail to look at Canada. And then we're going to a tunnel. And it's like, oh, we're getting a first good air tie bubble. We're going to do great. And then the trim said, it's like, okay, just awkwardly going around this slow pretzel turn, waiting for the airtime hills to kick in so yeah i will say that the first time i wrote it i did truly hate it because on those triangle hills i got like thrown into the front and my knees hurt so bad i i was like thrown into the front of the car and like bruised my knees it hurt so bad but Fun now fact, i know Magnum was the first hyper I ever rode. I was seven years old and I was more or less forced onto it. And I, I didn't bash my knees, but the problem was is that I my body was so sensitive to airtime and there was a lot of airtime on Magnum. 
I was just like the only person who got on the train. It's like, oh my God, I never want to ride that again. And it took me years before I was like, okay, I'm ready to actually ride it again. And you know, oh. got more into coasters. That's how Magnum I was. was. Magnum was also my first hyper. Yep. Well, and then we that. we didn't realize what we had until we had Diamondback. It's like, I, I'm sure that probably as kids, we probably would have preferred Diamondback over Magnum because like, yeah, Diamondback is a lot of airtime. But at least it's a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like Magnum would be so much better just with a little bit more padding on the restraints or something. I don't know. They tried that in 2019. It didn't do anything is the problem. So they just yeah. like screw it. We're just going back to OG Magnum restraints. <laughs> well, maybe not OG because they still have the damn seatbelts. Yeah. Yeah, no. There have actually been rides in which that I've gotten a good bars on Magnum and like the seat belt is often the thing that hurts the most, not even like hitting the lap bar. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have issues with the restraints. I really didn't. It truly was just hitting the front of the car. But now mm -hmm. I know that happened. So like I could kind of prep for it. So it's not like I hate it as much anymore. But when I, oh, I had some beef with Magnum. <laughs> I had some beef. I was like, I got to ride five things at this park and I wasted one of them on Magnum. Like. Which is probably true. If you had only ride five things at Cedar Point, I would definitely not have Magnum as one of those top five. Yeah. In a, in a world where Drax was operating anyway. Well, I did. I had four hours and I wasted an hour of that time in Top Zone Dragster's queue. Um, yeah, it's your first mistake. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I was like, I'm I'm out. And I also miss Millie because um, Millie kept going down that morning. My first trip, I had the four hours and I did Wicked Twister, Gatekeeper, Magnum, Maverick, and I don't, Steel Vengeance. That was like my, my five. I did. I did the five and I left. I did the five and then I waited and an hour and those are, the, those are the best five in the park <laughs> i'll give you top two how's that <laughs> oh do not i will not tolerate steel vengeance pep talk on this podcast <laughs> i get enough of that from chris <laughs> i have a lot of steel vengeance pep talk but i don't even think it's my favorite rmc i think that belongs uh, outlaw run Ooh. I haven't heard that it belongs to Outlaw Run. That is a very interesting take that I, I'll support it because I think, I mean, I have the normal take, Iron Gwazi, but I even think Twisted Timbers is above it. I love Twisted Timbers. Oh, yeah, Twisted Timbers is definitely top 15 for me. It's uh, definitely top tier RMC, 100%. I, mean, my, I actually have my list up right now. My RMCs, my top my top 10 RMCs are Outlaw Run, Steel Vengeance, Iron Gwazi, Air Force One, Iron Rattler, Twisted Timbers, Storm Chaser, Twisted Colossus, and then we have Untamed and then Medusa Steel Coaster at Six Flags Mexico. Well, Untamed's that low is an interesting take, too. Man, we're getting into your hot takes early, I feel like. That's definitely one of them. I think Untamed is actually very overrated. Don't get me wrong, it's a great ride. But it the, the day we were riding, it was just very sluggish. You just came out after like uh, almost like a mini hurricane. It was like really, really bad rain to win the previous day. And it's just like, you know, it's good, but it never had like that strong moments of sustained airtime that those okay. those smaller RMCs like Swiss Simmers and Storm Chaser do so much better. Okay. Interesting. It's a pretty ride, though. I absolutely, I think that's one of my favorite lead cars in any RMC is the 
I'll call it the Fury B. Oh, I love I'm that. I'm excited to see where you put Wildcat in once you ride it because that's currently my favorite RMC. I could see it being above Iron Rattler, but I'm also like Iron Rattler is my baby and I absolutely adore that ride to death. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious though, because like Uncle Data hypes that ride up to the moon and I'm always like, I want, you know, RM, one of my biggest problems with RMC is that a lot of their coaster designs don't have a lot of forces aside from crazy negative Gs. Positives and laterals have always been one of their lacking points. But I feel like Wildcat is trying to make up for that. So... Yeah. Iron Glossy definitely made up in the positives department at the very least. So Yeah. And the even the negatives that you get have like the profiling on on Wildcat's Revenge is so interesting that even in the negatives that you're getting, like, Chris, I'm gonna steal your thing. There's this one moment where you get this negative, and then all of a sudden it just like throws you into a lateral and it is the weirdest experience i have ever had on a coaster weirdest experience oh wait till you ride conda and expedition g-force and then you're getting crazy ejector airtime while getting lateral simultaneously plummeting down to earth in the two best drops in the world yeah i do Ooh. have to do those i i need those yeah conda is definitely on a bucket list for sure Conda, okay, this is also probably another hot take. Conda is my favorite steel coaster, period. And that includes all hybrids. Wow. Like, okay, if you go on, like, you see a POV of Conda, like, 2021, and you're like, you see, you're like, okay, yeah, that's a really good coaster. It's easily top 25 worthy. I swear, the day we were in Wallaby, Belgium, was unseasonably warm. It was, like, 80 degrees Fahrenheit, which is actually very warm for them. And it was going like five to ten seconds faster than that POV. It was like, like sky rush level insane airtime. But it wasn't the bad side strains that try to murder you. It's the comfy Velocicoaster new gen intimate trains. It's like, oh my god, this is a perfect. This is absolutely perfect blend of positives, negatives, laterals, and comfort. There is no, uh, there is no steel coaster that hits the same heights as Conda. I gotta ask, what what do you because this is very like hot topic when it comes to conda, the the non-inverting cobra roll. That is actually a really good element. Now, I will say, like because when you enter and exit the element, it is extremely intense because when you because so conda goes into the first camelback, then the outer bank, and then it goes into the cobra roll. In that entrance into the cobra roll, you're great, it's a gray out moment, a consistent gray out moment. And then it has this little lull in like the transition to the second part of the Cobra roll. And then when you start flipping into that, then the, the plot's so tight that you're starting to gray out again. It's a double gray out moment. And it's just like, you look at it, it's like, okay, yeah, this is kind of like a throwaway element. No, that is like one of the stars of the show. The I think that's my third favorite element of the ride. The first two being the first drop and the first Camelback. Yeah. yeah like imagine riding Toro on a steel coaster that's what that first camel back is like <laughs> really yep interesting we need more parks in the states to build these coasters come on yes let's go cedar flags i hope you're listening please repair your relationship with intimate you you have the ultra surf there is yep. something there i know that you were kind of gifted to it from a park that went under in vietnam we don't care We'll repair your relationship with Intimate and let's get these good coasters back in the States. Excuse me. Um, 
I'm going to use this because as a fantastic transition into our next question. We have Cedar Kev asking with the new merger, what would you like to see Six Flags and Cedar Fair Parks improve on first? <laughs> that is a good transition. Yeah, yeah, you gave us the best transition into it. Thank you. And, and real quick, uh, Cedar Kev, not the napkins. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best Cedar Point dates I've ever had. Um, Go watch uh, Chris's vlog at Costa Cagos if you haven't already of our date Cedar Point in the pouring rain of the afternoon and trying yeah. to do the t the associate's job by cleaning up the table since standing water. But anyway, uh, Cedar Flags. So in the short term, I think what I'm most looking forward to is the combination of the season pass structures and the technology. Because one of my biggest complaints about Cedar Fair is their apps are garbage. Let's not beat around the bush there. And their season pass perks are one of the worst in the industry. Like even worse than stuff like Palace or Merlin. Like you barely get any discounts and you really have to shill out a lot to even get like passable benefits. Compared to SeaWorld, they'll just keep throwing you benefits like they're candy every single month. And, you know, Six Flags is kind of getting on that train a little bit. They definitely did with the old memberships. So unfortunately they've gone away. I'm really hoping that that's leveraged together where you have like a really solid app because that does wonders for park experiences when you do like Walt Disney World or Universal. And you're also able to get good pass perks that actually, you know, maintains a lot of strong loyalty, which I definitely do for Cedar Fair Parks. Maybe not so much for Six Flies because I'm too far away from all of them, but it's an underutilized benefit that I think could really strengthen the guest experience at all those parks. Now, that's just the short term. In the long term, I hope that Six Flags uh, beautification is actually something that the chain is going to be dedicated to doing. They said they were in their press release, but it's one of those things where, like it's tough to believe until you actually see it in person. Because Salim, Salim Basul of Six Flags, he said he was going to do it, and then realized that no one came when he upped prices by like 300%. So he's like, uh, back to rides. Oh, wait, oh, we're selling, we're more or less selling to six to Cedar Fair. Whoopsies. <laughs> Dude made out like a bandit, man. He's like the Dan Snyder of the amusement industry. He's like, he didn't do anything right. And then he gets to basically sit on his ass for the rest of his tenure as chairman of the board. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, in the long run, like because they got these coasters, such as like the Ultra Surf from Intamin, and then we have the Super Boomerang <clears throat> Vacoma that were all, I believe they were both purchased from parks that didn't end up working out. Um, do you think that this can repair that relationship with Intamin and this huge, you know, chain that is going to have, like going to take place here? Probably. Uh, Vacoma. Yes. Um, Intamin. No. And here's why, because, you know, the Super Boomerang is not something that's completely far-fetched because Vacoma are first of all, I already built one in China and boomerangs are they're kind of their specialty. Granted, they're not launched boomerangs, but it's a concept that they're a lot more familiar with and they've had a lot of success for. The Intamin Ultra Surf is something that's never been done before and is a first they've never even done anything remotely close to like a mock power splash, which is obviously what takes um in quote unquote inspiration more like plagiarism but then you put the spinning um surf rider vehicles on it's just like it this thing is just a monster project 
that I feel like Six Flags doesn't really know what they're getting into. And especially considering that, you know, I've heard from people Six Flags over Georgia saying, yeah, they haven't even started brick ground. They're still technically demolishing their old shoot the shoots rides still. Like all those foundations have to be removed. So it's just like Ultra Surf may not even open until 2025. And even think about it, like SeaWorld San Antonio, they had Catapult Falls, which is that Intamin flume ride. And that wasn't too far-fetched because Intamin's done flume rides before. It was just a little bit different with like the launch and the return of the elevator lift. That was delayed a full year, despite the fact that they already had got the construction well underway on time during the fall and winter. So to all you over Georgia fans, I'm sorry, but first of all, fix Kid Flash. Second of all, I wish you luck. I try to get Ultra Serve open. Oh, so do you feel like the rumors are not true about Great Adventure and their big... What the rumor was? What did I hear? Launched Giga from Intamin. <laughs> I mean, that would be the greatest thing ever if we saw something that go to Great Adventure. But no, I don't think that's true. I again, not to say they couldn't try and repair their relationship with Intamin, but the problem is anything that Six Flags has not yet broken ground on the talks for the research and development of new rides up for like 2025, 2026 will not be happening until this merger is complete. So I feel like they the chains probably have mutually agreed, hey, we're going to kind of not worry about our 2026 editions right now. We're just going to focus on what we currently have under construction, stuff for 2024. So that's probably in the pipeline 2025. And then when the merger is done, then, you know, Richard Zimmerman and the executive leadership are going to get together and say, okay, how are we going to reallocate capital expenditure budgets toward the parks that could actually benefit from a major coaster going forward, you know, in a hopefully post-recession world. So it'll be interesting, but it's it just too soon to actually say, oh, this is exactly what they're going to do. But if I were to guess, I'd say Intamin probably will not get the renaissance that I wish that Cedar Flags would actually hope to have. I feel like we have to rely on bush parks for Intamin things. Which is true. Well, the funny thing is that now they're going back to in, to B and M. Like yeah. you know, we've already had the rumors about the B and M uh, family Inver going to Busch Gardens Williamsburg, which mm -hmm. basically killed any possibility of that RMC hyper hybrid going to BGW, which I would have much rather seen instead. Yeah, I do and think though. I think that there was also rumors that they have a five coaster deal with B and M, so they have to do five, or that like. Not have to necessarily. Like I, I'm sure they could space it out, but I, uh, there were definitely rumors that there's a five coaster deal. Well, I think that was like started with pipeline. So you had pipeline, Penguin Shrek, Phoenix Rising, this new, I'll call it Big Bad Wolf replacement because yeah. that's really what it is. And then I don't know where the fifth one could go. I would say, yeah, I'm intrigued. You could, you could see like I don't know, maybe San Antonio, San Antonio or San Diego could get something. It's partially substantial. I'm not sure. Yeah. But that only leaves us with one more before they could potentially go back to Intamin. Which is true. I mean, I guess it depends on how their Intamin project is shaping up, which I know they love their uh, Intamin family launch coasters, like Dark Coaster and Arctic Rescue open this year. And yeah. I did. I haven't read Arctic Rescue, but I didn't hate Dark Coaster. I hated its capacity, but that's not a fault of Intamin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, out of all this, I just hope that Valley Fair still gets its coaster within the next year or two. So that's, you know, as long as they get whatever they're supposed to get, I'm good. 
haven't they already started land clearing for something back there? Is that what I've been hearing? I do think they started clearing out their uh, their old Dinos Alive area. That was in the front. And that's a good chance you're going to get a coaster in 2025, which is good because I, on, on popular opinion, I actually don't really like Valley Fair all that much. I think it's it's like, you know, people, it's, it's a charming park. I don't deny that, but it's also very plain and very Cedar Fair-like where it's just like oh, there's, yeah. there, there's not a lot of charm to it. And like even a lot of like non-themed Cedar Fair parks like Cedar Point, you know, I think, Jen, you've mentioned before that, uh, you know, Cedar Point doesn't have a lot of strong theming or charm which i can somewhat agree with that but i think there's at least a good setting and it has some attempts at themed lands valley fair has basically nothing it's just a long strip of just cement and pretty colored rides i agree but uh moving on here uh from velocicosing alex he's got a a, a two-parter here mclovin is michigan going to win the national title this year in football, I assume. And then this one's for everyone. Uh, what do you feel is the worst investment in the amusement theme park industry since 2000? So start with the first one. Um, so I am not, I don't watch it too much on college football. I'm more NFL. So if you have any questions about MNFL, feel free to shoot them my way. But um, from what I've seen, I would say this is their best shot to win with the current core because McCarthy is going to declare for the draft this year. And, uh, you know, Corum, he'd basically be the major piece left of that team going forward. So, and, you know, Harbaugh, I could, I know they've been talking about repairing his contract, but with the NCAA investigation, he might just want to jump ship to the NFL. So I'd say they can win the title, but the SEC has always been a problem for Big Ten. And, you know, I don't know what Washington, Texas is going to end up looking like. Those are both pretty elite squads. So they have a good shot. But this is also their best shot. If they don't win it now, they're probably not going to win it again for quite a long time. However, that they're still beating Ohio State. I am not going to admit that we are going to be worse than Ohio State for a long time. Um, but as for the um, the second question, is actually really interesting. So the worst investment, I would say the worst investment that had good intentions, but just had bad circumstances was probably hard rock park at Myrtle beach, which yeah, that's a good one. Fun fact. I had been to Myrtle beach in 2008. I tried to convince my parents to take me to hard rock parks. I was only 10 years old at the time. And they said, no, and I will never let <laughs> live it down for it because it was as hard rock park in its prime. It was fully operational with every coaster available. And it just like, man but you know it's just tough because I've, I've seen documentaries on it i've seen it in person i saw led zeppelin the ride in person and i was just like that's such a spectacular park that just never got a chance because of the recession and they poured way too much money to start off that you couldn't make back and under any circumstance which no it's it's heartbreaking i'm i honestly i'm i'm so sad for you because that is on my list of like parks that i would have loved to see definitely and i don't think there was ever a park in the in the u.s post 2000 that had a spectacular failure like it you know even like celebrations or uh whatever the one is at branson the silver daughter city second park i forget the name uh, yeah. yeah 
but at least that lasted for a few years and had a decent wooden coaster that a good chunk of people got to ride. No one went to Hard Rock Park because <laughs> gas was five fifty a gallon. No one was going to make it out to Myrtle Beach. So no, didn't it end up getting like new coasters and stop running stuff? Or not new coasters? Sorry, didn't get new owners and then stop running stuff like after the first year too. Like they got new. So they got new owners that didn't own the Hard Rock licensing. They opened his Freestyle Music Park in 2009. But it, again, only lasted for about another six months because you were still yeah. deep in a recession. And, like, again, the park was way too, way too big and way too pretty for its own good. The emission prices just weren't that tantalizing to most tourists. So the, then after 2009, it was just SBNO for five years. And then all the coasters get ripped out or moved or shipped off. Where did Led Zeppelin go? Do you know? Park in Vietnam, I think. Vietnam. That is literally heartbreaking. The whole entire story of that park is like absolutely heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Jen, do you have a uh, worst investment you feel? Wait, I did I already tell you at the beginning of the episode? No. I don't think so. Oh um, so. no, I looked at this and I was like, oh, I got my answer. And I don't remember my answer. <laughs> So I'm just going to go ahead and go with an answer that's probably just going to piss everyone off that everyone knows the answer of it. I'm going to say that it's Steel Vengeance. Ooh. <laughs> well, you're right about the structural issues being a terrible investment. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's like crashing <laughs> into, like it went with run train ops for how long? Crashing into shit. Should have went with a steel truss. Yeah, Honestly, come on. Come on. Like Goliath had already been built four years before. They could have gone with the steel chest if they wanted, but they wanted the pretty RMC hyper hybrid. And now I swear, like, and, uh, fun fact: I was there on in line when the drive tire fell off in 2018. I distinctly really? remember there was like a big thud uh, as the train was parking, and then every, all of a sudden everything came to to a halt. And then after like 10 minutes, they basically had us all evacuate the queue for some odd reason. And if I don't lay on a Reddit that evening, oh yeah, uh, drive tire fell off the brake crown. It's like, God, this, the ride was, I, I firmly believe the ride was cursed in its opening yeah. year. It did not actually have any solid operations until hollow weekends. Oh yeah. The, I the really ghost of mean streak. Yeah. <laughs> also, Chris, I absolutely did give you an answer and this is what got us into our discussion as McLovin came in, the answer is Fast and the Furious. Oh, that's right. Yep. Orlando. That's what got us into that conversation. It is it is Fast and Furious at Universal Orlando. That is a very fair point. When even that, like, people that have been actively involved in the, um, the corporate leadership at Universal were basically uh, tr trash-talking the ride, basically saying, like, I should have... I really should have told the executives to pull the plug on this thing. It's like then everyone knows it's bad. And like I, I've, I've, I was in Universal this past weekend. I have heard people just randomly in line saying, "Oh yeah, that Fast and Furious ride at Studios is so garbage." I was like, "Great, thanks, thanks Universal. You threw like a bunch of money to replace Earthquake, and you did nothing to replace." Wait, it. you guys could have been at Universal the same time. So same I actually time. just had a thought. McLovin, did you happen to hear any girls screaming? Or not scream? I wasn't screaming. I yelled at like three different people, and 
um, theme park shirts and ask them if they've ever ridden Talon at Dorney Park. Did anyone yell anything about Talon at Dorney Park at you? I can't say that I did, but I guarantee <laughs> that if did. someone did, they would have said, oh, have you ridden uh, Dueling Dragons Talon? Oh, wait, it's gone. Um, Anna and Elsa Talon. That's the official <laughs> names of those <laughs> Which, Honestly. by the way, um, I know this is uh, a little off track, but um, I went to Halloween Horror Nights for the first time this past year, and I, d I think one of my favorite houses was the Dueling Dragons house. That ri that haunt did that ride so much justice, and I, I rode it when I was a kid, and that was that was a really good advert. I was just like, man, they, you had a golden theme that you just didn't really capitalize, and, and uh, I love Hagrid's. It's uh, my fiance's favorite ride, so I I totally get why they did it. But that ride was such a gold mine they got rid of. Lost Con in general, too. Yeah, and honestly, like it it wouldn't pain me so bad that they got rid of it if it went somewhere else. But to see two really good BNM inverts just get demolished, like broke my heart. Mm. They're still the only BMs that have been demolished, correct? That is not true. There was a Batman clone overseas that was also demolished. Ah. I did not know. I thought I was the only invert. I thought the other one wasn't an invert. No, but it's all inverts that have been demolished. I'm honestly shocked that Firebird hasn't bit the dust yet. That thing is just a Frankenstein at this point. <laughs> Why even bother giving it open? And it, and it's easily the worst BNM. It just runs so poorly. I could see uh, Vortex getting ripped out at some point at Carowinds. I, I see it being a floorless conversion before yeah. it's ripped out. Yeah, I feel like that's the route they usually go. Same with, like, I kind of want to say Green Lantern, but that's going to go to a floorless model, too, before they rip that out. There would No, that wouldn't be the point, though. That wouldn't be right, because Medusa exists. I mean, not to say the Oh, that's valid. That's valid. Maybe they would rip it out first, then, because there is another floorless. Not to say the Six Flags couldn't have two floorless in the same park. They've done sillier things, but, I yeah, it's very unlikely to get a floorless transition. <laughs> Send like, it back to Kentucky. <laughs> send it back. To it's better than anything Hershen's going to do with that park. They've basically, uh, like, I was actually fooled into believing that Hershen was actually going to build that park up, but they really did just leave it for dead, and it's such a shame. Yeah, well, I mean, they're trying to sell T3. No one's going to want to buy that, and it's just sitting there. <laughs> no, it was abandoned for, like, five years, and then it got haphazardly rebuilt with bad trains, and it's like, no one wants it. And I can assure you, I've been on one of the OG SLCs in uh, Wallaby Holland. It's so bad. It doesn't matter what train it is. It's so bad. <laughs> You're not going to get that thing, thing re rebuilt anywhere else. That thing's going yeah. down. No one's going to bite on that one. Yeah. Um, for my worst investment, I'm going Forbidden Frontier at Cedar Point because... <laughs> That is one season, put a lot of stuff in it. Was it one or two seasons? They put a lot of money into that. And then they're just like, no, nope, didn't work out. <laughs> We're done. Believe it or not, it actually lasted four seasons. Did it. And I was working in the park in the food and beverage department at the time that Forbidden Frontier opened. So I actually got to try like the stuff at the provisions restaurant on there. And yeah. However, as, as Cedar Point is my home park, I was fully on board with the idea that it was a waste of money because yeah. like 
Okay, you get it. You have dinosaurs alive. It's hard to build another coast around Millennium Force, and I get that you had to do something with it, but it's like it's way far off the midway with not a lot to actually do. It's like, you know, kids aren't going to be invested in some like really intricate storyline about like two feuding tribes. Easily to like do lots of menial tasks. It's like that's a thing for summer camp, not an amusement park with some of the best ride collections in the world. Like it was, it was set up to fail, and it just, it just never recovered. And they even built a freaking pedestrian bridge to make room for the Snake River Expedition ride that's just sitting there unused. It's and I was going to say that's another thing that I feel. <laughs> As a, as a giant a giant waste of money um in my own opinion just from what i've heard from the from the first year they did it to this year they've gotten rid of a lot of things along that that snake river expedition that they used to have the first year and now it was just kind of like a boat ride with some scenes to look at yeah it's it's kind of funny because um so I think it's okay to say this because I haven't worked there in a few years. I knew about Snake River Expedition before it was announced. I knew that their their claim was, oh, we're going to bring back nostalgia because they were so enamored by all the people that uh, wanted Paddlewheel Excursions back. And I get it. But at the same time, like that ride's ridership was already in severe decline during the late 2000s. I did, never thought that bringing it back was actually a solid business decision. Because, again, it's way off the midway. You got a lot of rides. The only thing you're going to get is, like, nostalgic families, which, while they're that's their primary, Cedar Fair's primary de demographic that they love, I don't think it's so much worth it that you would go out of your way on the, off the main windways for it. And yeah. lo and behold, it came to pass. They're stripping it down, and I can see it gone in a few years. Yeah, I agree. So there's my, uh, my answers. Um, yeah. I think. All right. Well, that brings us to our next question. Our our next question, there's actually two from Hulk Vandelay. And Hulk Vandelay says, can we call it Iron Menace? Is that <laughs> how we're saying it? Um, Omle to Flamas. <laughs> Iron Menace. <laughs> um you guys can i will be referring to it as talent two um i will always refer to it as talent two so i will um, say if they like suddenly completely drop out of nowhere iron menace is now themed to the Asteri tv show characters like tutatis is i would be hopefully on board there is a literal wicker pig as part of Tutatis's thieving plaza. That is literally the greatest piece of theming on this planet. That's amazing. Yes. That is incredible. <laughs> All right. So Hawk Vondelay's real question is, what's the best plus one in Chicago? Uh, Tiger Terror at Safari Land, easily. That Have you guys yeah. ever heard or written it, I guess, is my next question. No. So uh, you'll have to look it up. It's a wisdom kitty coaster, which you think, oh, okay, whatever. Just one of those, just like oval minor mics or whatever. But this one's really interesting because, first of all, it's in the corner of a building and there's like a freaking rave going on. Like it's, it's just a dark room with a bunch of like strobe lights and like um, rave music. And then the whole layout is basically like a, a helix lift hill, a tire drift. And then it goes into this like, 
oval with like some of the sharpest laterals ever like better stronger than beast helix laterals <laughs> and then it goes into this like ejector hill as it completes the the oval before another dose of laterals going back to the um to the load platform and then you ride it again two more times like i was one of the first people in the community to have like really hyped it up then canopy coaster put out his video and then i got uh, uncle nate to ride it and he raves the hell out of it it is easily the number one plus one in chicago at, at recording lfg it kind of reminds me of cosmotron so i'm sold oh yeah it's definitely like a code the coaster version of cosmotron yes I'm sold. If only, not if only, I hope I get some like EDM fun version of Bad Blood. While they might, honestly. I, I mean, honestly. Well, to be fair, if you want EDM on a coaster, just go ride, ride to happiness. True. You don't have to tell me twice. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> All right. I think that's bringing us to our last question. Yeah. So this one comes from Post. And Post is asking... Which coaster do you think is great, that is great, that doesn't get talked about enough? I'd say um, underrated, but I'm not, but I'm talking about most forgotten about. My example is Powder Keg at Silver Dollar City. It's not over or underrated by anyone. It's just never even spoken of. So for me, I guess I'll give you guys a choice. You want me? You want to hear me rant about Superman Ultimo Escape Six Flags Mexico or World on Timber Coaster at Europa Park? Because I could do either one. Uh, Jen, you pick. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess. I guess. Uh, I guess Europa Park. Okay, good. Because Europa Park is my all-time favorite park. Um, Perfect. Wodan is the best GCI. It is better than Mystic Timbers. And when you look at it, so it, it's funny about Wodan because I think um, I think Taylor Bybee was the first one to actually put like a review about it because no, not many people had talked about it before. And so the ride is themed to like Asgard and like Norse mythology. And it is one of the most elaborately themed queues in the world that even has a bathroom in the middle of it. Um it's like outside and like these cool like fallen um like Asgardian deities kind of like very Poseidon's Fury like and then it goes inside this queue to like a really dark cave with like crazy like ice sculptures and like you'll see this um thing of like these two like crazy like 10 12 feet tall knight statues just like guarding the entrance to the stairs up to the ride and then you'll see like this asgardian deity like lifting the collapsing ceiling up as you're walking through the switchbacks it's the queue itself is crazy enough but he was like oh okay the ride is just kind of like whatever gci but i swear this is the best gci because of the raw sense of speed that this ride carries all throughout because uh if you guys were in apocalypse at six flags magic mountain Okay, so I guess the best way to describe it, it's basically like it's just a raw speed and intensity that just like rips through its course in such rapid succession. And it's constantly keeping you on your toes with with crazy laterals, crazy airtime pops, insane positive G's in the valleys. And it's just it goes on forever, crosses over, right next to Blue Fire to Atlantica Super Splash, the mock water coaster. 
and it's just it's constantly constantly just barraging you with forces and it's gloss smooth all the way through because it just got a recent retracking it's oh my god i cannot rave about that ride enough and i've ridden mystic timbers winterfest so i've ridden some spectacular gcis but i don't think anything compares quite to world on yeah, Mystic is, uh, I just had a funny conversation with Post about Mystic Timbers. You know, with Kings Island being my, like, home park, really, um, <laughs> I was kind of messing with him a little bit, but I said, yeah, Mystic Timbers, it's overrated. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's overrated, but I'm curious to hear your takes on why it is. Um, my only gripe with Mystic Timbers is just too short of a ride. You're you sit in the shed longer than you're actually like enjoying the ride itself. I agree. It is one of the shorter GCIs, and I think that is a legitimate complaint. I think it's one of the best paced GCIs, but yes. it's, I think a lot of their like older models definitely had the length. Like I recently rode Thunderhead at Dollywood again, and I was just like, man, that ride seems to go on forever, and it constantly keeps its speed all the way through. But yeah, like Lightning Racer. I just rode that for the first time this past October. So I was like, man, if Mystic Timbers had this length, it would be like elite, really. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, it carries its speed very well. Like you probably could have had another like 500,000 feet of it and would have been able to make it back to the shed just fine. Yeah. Um, it's still like my third favorite in that park. So I don't really think it's under overrated. I just like to mess with people who think it's the best coaster in the park. So. Well, I think it's the best coaster in the park, so you can make fun of me all you want. No, no, it's great. It's I'm excited for first time rider over here to get it probably next year. So, uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really fun. Um, uh, this is just another. I guess I'm just gonna throw out this Talon name. I don't really know why. I do know why. But what what are your thoughts on Spooky Screaming Talon? Spooky Screaming Talon is a great invert, but it is not the best Talon in Ohio. Wow, which I actually like Green Talon a lot, so I can respect that. I'd agree. I would my, agree. My thing about Spooky Scary Talon is um, it's a very, very forceful ride. Don't get me wrong. And I absolutely it's it's a lot different than like the whippy inverts like Green Talon and um, like all the other OG inverts. But I think our biggest issue is um, like the trains, it, it tracks so badly. Those trains were never designed to be on invert. The invert track needed to be bigger for those vest trains, I feel. It's just they're too heavy for the forces that that ride's trying to pull. And again, I like uh, like a little bit of like more whippy inversions to kind of like keep me on my toes, but I still think it's a spectacular ride. Um, it's definitely the fourth best coaster at KI for me. I think. Okay. I, and this is, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I enjoy the old over the strength restraints for on inverts compared to the vests. 100% agreed. They're, they're a lot more comfortable. They're not, they don't feel as restricting and um, they, they don't feel to, and again, the vests just add more weight to the train. I feel like that BMs with vests tend to rattle more than ones that don't. And I'm not one of those who's like, rattle, it's the worst thing ever, but the vests are a lot heavier, so it just changes the dynamics of the ride that I don't think a lot of modern B&Ms have, like, fully adjusted for. I was like, you know, I've ridden Osiris um, at Park S3, which is the last B&M to have the old restraints, outside of, like, Monster Grown Alum, and that's kind of a different story. Um, and that one's, like, glass smooth, and it's been open for, you know, it was open two years before Spooky Scary Talon, and Spooky Scary Talon 
is already very, very rough if you get in a bad train. Yeah, that's like the main complaint I hear about it, that it's really rough. And it takes away from the enjoyment. Also, Osiris' yeah. name is Eiffel Talon. Eiffel Talon. Eiffel Talon. Okay, yeah, now I get that. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to Bryant from Coaster365. That was his suggestion. Very good suggestion. Because it's hard to distinguish between the two Egypt talents. You have well, US that Egypt one talent. I did call Egyptian <laughs> talent originally, because Montu is craft mac and cheese talent. Because the new paid job looks just like a craft mac and cheese box. Yeah, I, I see it. I, I definitely yeah. see it. So, uh, Jen, do you have a uh, oh. underrated ride that you think doesn't get talked about enough? Um. So I said this to Chris at the beginning of the episode. I'm like, this this question is kind of like what really started my talent obsession because my answer to this question was talent. But now, now I think everyone talks about talent all the time because of some crazy ass fucking bitch from <laughs> Philly. Um, so I have two coasters for this one. The first one I'm going to say is um, Silver Bullet at Frontier City. It's fantastic. Like and Frontier, the Frontier, one, isn't that that's uh the Schwarzkopf? Oh yeah. the Schwarzkopf. Oh that's a that's an interesting pick. It's also in my top ten. I, I love Schwarzkopf's. I love it. Um and my second one is actually going to also be at Frontier City, but I will accept any model, but a aero shuttle loop, they are such an underappreciated model that any aero shuttle loop should have more hype and more like, I feel like they should be much more talked about than they actually are. Uh, hot take um, incoming. And I'm sorry, Jen, I think Diamondback and Frontier City is very overrated. Oh, what? It's so good. It's There's also the rumor. Of it's literally just drop loop. Drop loop. Okay, you're done. I can do so, that on Demon all the time. Again, though, like, I don't mind short if I'm not waiting in line. So, like, maybe I just had a good day, but I literally walked up to the station and walked on the coaster just multiple times. So did I. So, like, and I, yeah, I feel like that's the vibe of Frontier City. And I feel like that's kind of the vibe of Elitch Gardens from what I could see from, like, the walkway on... I don't know if Elitch Gardens even still has one. I don't even know if they still have it. Um, no, they do a uh, Sidewinder, but uh, yeah, actually but a fun fact. So I have been to the three premier parks that are left in the country, Elitch Gardens, Magic Springs, and Wild Waves. And every single one had their wooden coaster closed for me. <laughs> I, I don't think there is possibly worse luck that is possible than that. Yeah, you have talked about a couple, like, pretty big bad luck things on this podcast. Uncle Nate calls me a bad luck charm. And honestly, it's it, that's fine because he's my good luck charm. Usually I bet my chips are great when he's around. Very uh, I hear there's a rumor that Diamondback won't be there much longer. It probably won't. Like, it's a rare model that probably requires a lot of unique parts. I don't think SNS wants to deal with that. Unless Premier Premier wanted to start manufacturing fake arrow parts, yeah. I mean, how does how do you get Premier? You have SNS who owns the rights to all the arrow stuff, but now Premier is manufacturing the track for, for Loch Ness monster. How does that even take place? I mean, 
I don't know exactly how like how long those because you know patents expire. You know maybe yeah. the arrow stuff like was in the public domain at a certain point, but like you know not many people are like oh I'm going to retract my arrow because that's a big undertaking. Maybe yeah. Premiere was like oh the arrow track is in um, public domain, so now we can ma manufacture our own arrow track. Hey Bush Gardens Williamsburg, you got a classic looper that you want to uh, keep around for another fifty years? Hell yeah, sign me up because Premiere do it for cheap. Yeah, and yeah. and honestly, like in the states, like who wants to work with SNS when they're <laughs> they can't keep steel curtain open for the life of them? So <laughs> it's just a shame because I love Max Force and I love steel curtain, but yeah, you're right with steel curtain structural issues. Like I, so many carks are probably turned off from SNS right now, and I, I don't blame them honestly. It's just like it, it's not that complex of a coaster. It's just you know, it's just a simple. It's a little sit down inverting looper. I mean, I know there are rumors that like, oh, Kennywood's ground by the log jammer was like really unstable, and so they they weren't supposed to build there. I get that, but there's no real hard proof of it, and a lot of manufacturers probably just scared off of like from SNS because of that. So yeah, that's why we're seeing Vacoma starting to enter the American market because you know SNS Sansei, you know they own both companies, but if no one's gonna buy SNS. Try your hand of a coma that has that is trying to like rebuild a reputation and Big Bear Mountain. Like I recently wrote it, it's a great family coaster. I think it's definitely a very promising sign for the future, at least for all the chains that want family coasters. Whether they take a chance on the thrill coasters, I'm not sure, but I really hope they do. Yeah, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about Big Bear Mountain. So <laughs> I, other than the restraints, I guess. <laughs> Actually, I didn't find them to be that bad. Like again, uh. Reich at Fantasyland, the Family Boomerang. Those were like the older ones. But I hear these. I, I've never heard many people complain about the Big Bear Mountain restraints. I found them to be pretty comfortable, if not a little awkward looking. Yeah, I can't remember who we just talked to that just wrote it. And they were like, if you're like such and such tall. I think it was Don. Was it Don? I feel like this was a conversation we were having with Don. Yeah, I think you're right. If you're, you know, so tall, they're a little bit uncomfortable. But uh I don't know. Yeah. They just look funny to me with the little sidebar things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get that. Like, that was the biggest problem with Reich was because uh, you know, my, my friend Dan, who was with Europe with me, you know, he was, uh, he's 6'1", I believe, 6'1", 6'2", and he is, he was, like, really pressed up, like, uh, like sandwiched in, like, a tuna can on, the, on those trains. And I feel like that Big Bear Mountain might be the same. You know, maybe if you were, like, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, I feel like it would, Big Bear Mountain might get pretty cramped. Yeah. Which... I think that will be a continuing issue for these Vacoma family boomerangs until they completely re redesign the train. But I mean, I guess you know, hopefully there aren't too many tall people that end up riding it, especially because they're family boomerangs. Family yeah. being the keyword, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I have two of my uh, underrated that doesn't that don't get talked about enough. My first one is the exterminator at Kennywood because it's an amazing spinning coaster. And I wish there were more Revershons built here, but I know that they're no longer around. <laughs> you have plenty of Revershons in the States. What are you talking about? Really? Let me, let me actually look this up. I'm curious now about um, how many, because I know there's a lot of them. I've written three, they... three Revershons spinners. The Disney ones are gone, so. And the uh, Zamperla Twisters, which are basically the the new Revershons, I've been another five of them. So there's at least eight in the in the country. 
Yeah. So Exterminator is one. I wish that that would get talked about because I really enjoyed that. And I would, I, that's my second favorite coaster at Kennywood behind Phantom. That is an extremely hot take. Like even not even Skyrocket is my second favorite. Nope. <laughs> Skyrocket's fun. It's fun. The uh, the strength, the uh, restraints, and the trains are just very very compact, and I don't like them very much. Um, Thanks, Premier. Please make better <laughs> trains. Sincerely, every single person in existence. Um. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I just it really thoroughly enjoyed my time on Exterminator um, and just with the theming in there and it being in the dark. So there's that. And then, Jen, you're going to love this one. I feel like Fahrenheit doesn't get the love that it deserves and the the, um, the attention. On, I mean, I'm set to just leave the bodies. <laughs> I think it's just about what it deserves personally. Um because it's, it's one of those where it's like, you know, it's I think it's a good ride. Don't get me wrong. And it definitely does a lot of unique forces that other similar rides like the Grisau Eurofighters and Infinities don't do. But at the same time, there's not a whole lot of like standout stuff about it. I feel the finale is pretty good, but there, there's nothing. that's like, oh, my God, that's such a memorable part of that ride. You know, like Storm Runner and Skyrush both have like the wow factor. Like, wow, that's such a cool element or a cool thing that it just did. But. Yeah. Fahrenheit's just kind of like it's it's fun. I, it, I'd ride it if the line isn't bad anyway. But it's not one that's like, oh my god, it's the first thing I'm doing when I get to Hershey. I feel like that at least, Chris. I feel like you at least have to admit that that's the bottom tier of Hershey Storm rides. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's probably my number four in that park. Let's is see. super duper looper below it because I'm yes, I'm, for um, sure. Chris, <laughs> you yes, it is. All right. Um, I just think I think I remember hearing somebody talking about how Fahrenheit was like a filler coaster between Sky Rush and Storm Runner. Um, did it come between? Yes. Those two? No. Uh, yeah, it did. Yeah. So I feel like somebody told me that Fahrenheit's 08. Sky obviously, it's the only one ever built by Intamin. So. There's that that I like about it. It's unique because they don't do it anymore. Um, cool. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I enjoy it. I mean, obviously, Wildcat, Stormrunner, and um, Skyrush are better than that. So I'd take Candemonium over Fahrenheit, honestly. I was just going to say that. I, it's possible. It's possible that I could think that, too. Because candy, especially... Oh, Chris, and you didn't even get the best candy rides yet. Candy in the winter best they're the best rides you need to come ride diamondback that's all i, I gotta say diamondback. Yeah. diamondback is my favorite b&m hyper i know that it, it, as someone that's ridden like pretty much all of them in the states i know that some people that's a pretty hot take but i firmly stand by it all right it's definitely on my bucket list i'm not a huge hyper person personally but you float the entire ride pretty much yep. yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah, so this brings us to the moment that everyone has been waiting for. Yes, except you've told us like half of your hot takes now. So, <laughs> oh, just I have a lot more. We could go deep in this rabbit hole. <laughs> what is your spiciest one that you can think of? Spiciest take. Um, 
and it could be anything. Uh, Terran at Fantasia Land is not even top fifty. Ooh. Ooh. And I know you guys haven't written it, so I know you can't. This is not really much of an argument to be made, but I will say this: that ride is so beautiful. It is. It lives up to the hype. Like it's just all shockingly stunning. But the ride itself is very meh. It just kind of like it does a lot of meandering. It has some good elements. Has some good airtime. Has some good overbanks. It has some great settings. But I feel like it just does way too much meandering. And those launches are so like they're probably one of the worst launches, not because of like the power, but because though those when Intamin was like trying a new LSM and it's so loud that it literally vibrates the entire train as it launches. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, it's like I literally have to like just cover my ears and like just kind of brace it's like Ugh! it's like it's just grinding my bones whenever it launches. So number two at Fantasia Land? Yes, a fly yeah. is a thousand percent better than Terran, which is funny because both people in my group in Europe disagreed with me, said the Terran was better. But no, I believe fly is one thousand percent better than Terran. And then what about what? What's your uh, Jen? What's your name for Black Mamba? Kobe Bryant Talon. Kobe Bryant Talon. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I'll say this. Um. And I mean this like completely, like unironically, not a joke. Black Mamba is basically the entire second half of Talon. It's very much like low to the ground, a lot of like floaty inversions that do like like quick transitions into the next element, and it just like very, very much hugs the terrain with absolutely gorgeous theming. It, it's definitely a top tier invert in Jenna as you're a Talon lover yourself. I think that would definitely be like your probably second favorite invert behind Talon, obviously. Yeah, I, c I could see it if that's what you're saying, because those are some of my favorite um, parts of Talon, like some of the ones that I talk about a lot, the like that flyby towards the front of the park. Like, it, that section is what I find so pretty about Talon. Um, so I could definitely see that. It is on my list. It's one that I would like to definitely like to ride one day. One day. <laughs> But I, I also have a um, another hot take that actually kind of is kind of related to Kobe Bryant talent. Um, so I also think a hot take of uh, one of the best family coasters in the world is Arthur at Europa Park. And you may be wondering, what is that? Because not many people even know about it. It is a mock inverted powered coaster that is a half dark ride. But the thing that really pushes it above the edge, and I, I'm going to mark us spoilers for anybody that's going to Europa Park soon, because this is actually like something that you're better off just not knowing beforehand. About halfway through the ride, it goes back indoors because the basically the theme is like, oh, you're driving through like a little forest thing, and there's like a bunch of happy forest creatures. And then you get to like this rat hood underground city. And the onboard audio starts starts doing. It's playing "Still Dre" by Dr. Dre, completely <laughs> uncensored. That is literally like the greatest moment we've ever had in a family coaster. <laughs> that is incredible. That's incredible. That is like 
yeah, one of the best family coasters for sure. Not like the ride is like okay, okay. It's just like it is an okay coaster section, but like the experience itself is elite. Nice. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, well, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg will be proud. So, oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Which it's well, even funnier because like there actually are a lot of English speaking people that do visit Europa Park. That that yeah. park is actually like quadlingual in terms of like their um their their uh, associates will know like four different languages so i guarantee that a lot of english speakers that go to europa park it's like hey he's saying the n-word completely uncensored as we're going through a children's dark ride <laughs> that is like that is incredible oh my goodness i i'm gonna have to like and I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go get... like I'm gonna go figure out a way to like onboard board POV. Look at this and see if I can hear it. Um, but yeah, guys, I think we got three hot takes and definitely way more hot takes than that throughout that episode um, here. But I think that wraps us up on the episode. Yeah, uh, thank you for sticking around and watching our longest episode that we've had to date. So uh, <laughs> McLovin. Coaster idiots, awesome. Um, thank you for coming to hang out with us. Thank you for having me. And yeah, and be sure to um, keep an eye on Ryan's content. I'm sure he's going to have a lot more coming in the next year. And uh, be sure to follow me on McLovin Coasters. And I will always be available to come back if you ever guys want me back. Unless you're too tired of hearing me uh, praising Europe and being jealous, which I completely understand. <laughs> a little bit, but... We'll have you back, I'm sure. We'll accept it. Yeah, for sure. Especially after Japan and the honeymoon and all that good stuff. So Yes, okay. definitely. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the end. So uh, we'll see everybody next week. See you next week. Peace. This has been the Theme Park Stand Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We'll see you all next time.